0: Welcome to the Wild Abide Podcast. I'm your host, Olivia Alness. I am so excited to lead you on this journey of shaking off shame, stirring up hope, and running after our dreams together. Let's go. Here's the funny thing. I am talking with my friend Jessica Hoddle today about lies. We are breaking down the truth about lies and it is going to be good. It's going to be a little vulnerable, but I got to tell you what happened as soon as I got off my call with her and I pulled our audio into my editor. I realized that my podcast mic wasn't plugged in the entire time. So it was picking up the audio of my computer instead of the real legit microphone. So I apologize right up front that my audio sounds way different than normal and a little or a lot funky, but Jessica sounds amazing. So just listen to what she says And the value that she is producing. If I say a a few less yes or interjections to you, I probably edited some of it out just to make it a little less distracting for you. Cause I don't want you to miss out on the truth that she is dropping, but it's just so funny that it works like that. Whenever we are fighting for truth and fighting against lies, there are going to be things that come up and get in the way and want to distract us. And sometimes it's as silly as the sound quality on a podcast. Like that's going to in my mind want to distract me from the truth and the goodness that we're bringing to you but i just believe that when we show up perfect or not 9 times out of 10 not perfect actually take that back 10 times out of 10 not perfect but when we show up real and authentic and ready to grow and change amazing things happen and i I am so excited to see how God impacts your life through the words of Jessica and just all, whew, all the truth bombs that she drops, so many. So without any more delay, I want to get into my conversation with Jessica Hodel. Hey,
1: Jessica, welcome to the Wild Abide. So good to have you on here.
2: I'm so glad to be here.
1: Um, Love it. Jessica, would you just like tell our listener a little bit about yourself and your story, who you are?
2: I'd love to. I, well, I'm Jessica Hoddle. I have been married for roughly almost four years. I met my husband, John, on eHarmony. I love telling that story. Everybody's like, eHarmony? Yes, eHarmony. Loved it. I have three kitties. We have three kitties together. We are crazy animal lovers. And I am passionate about helping women way less uh, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And a little bit of my story is I didn't know the Lord until I was 21. And at the time of this recording, I'm 32. So I've had roughly 10 years of growing with the Lord and growing in a relationship. And so growing up, I didn't know who I was. I would often hear people say, well, I'm a Christian or I'm a Catholic. And I would always ask myself, like, what are these people talking about? Because I had no idea what any of that meant. And I grew up in a home where my mom was emotionally abusive and my dad was physically abusive. Mm -hmm. And so what I thought love was, was abuse, not kind words, because your parents are your caregivers. And so... You kind of internalize that and you take it upon yourself. And so then you start to feel rejected or not seen or not heard. And that story and that lie pretty much played out all of my young adulthood into my teens and into my early 20s and into my mid-20s, probably until I met my husband in my late 20s. That story of just you're not seen, you're not heard. And kind of that orphan spirit kind of still comes after me of, you're alone, nobody understands you, uh, you know, nobody loves you. And so everything I did was out of this desperate need to be to be loved and to be seen and to be heard. And so I'm really passionate about helping women kind of drop the lies, drop the weight. We hold that weight, we hold the emotions in our bodies, and we hold that spiritually, and then we just harbor it and we it starts to fest, right? And it just starts to create anger and resentment and bitterness. And so I'm all about, let's process this. Let's work through this because God has something so much better for you.
1: It is so powerful hearing, hearing how you share. A question that's not on our list, but came up as you were sharing your story is what was the major connector for you that introduced you to life with Jesus? Like, was it a person? Was it, what was your process like in that?
2: So my parents got divorced at 18 and growing up, I really wasn't allowed by my mom to um, have a relationship with my family because there was lies. There's a lot of lies happening. Mm -hmm. They didn't love me and they didn't care for me. So I didn't, I thought it was weird to kiss your grandma on the cheek, never said I love you. It was just very, very awkward and weird for me. So I didn't really know family until after my parents got divorced and then I moved in with my mom. And then it was really bad. My brother had gotten into some things and I just had to move out. Mm -hmm. So I was like homeless for a while. Um, Moved with my best friend. My cousin was like, just come live with us. And it was still really awkward because, again, I didn't know how to love within a family. Yeah. Um, And so she, we would always go on bike rides together and she would just start, you know, kind of coaching me and walking me through things Mm -hmm. because I found love in men. That was a big one for me growing up. And so we were on a bike ride and I remember kind of pulling off We were taking a break. Cause we would take like 10 mile, 20 mile bike rides together. <laughs> it's like our thing to do. And so we were taking a break and we we're like at these picnic tables and she's like, you know, paraphrasing of like, do you know who Christ is or do you want to accept Jesus as your savior or something along those lines? And I was like, I guess like, cause you don't know you don't know. Right. And so she would like kind of walk me through that and talked me through it. And, um, yeah, I can just remember like that was kind of the day that I pretty much, you know, accepted him into my life and I didn't have some like, my life didn't drastically change, you know, like the heavens didn't part for me and I didn't get any doves or like anything like that. But it was just like, oh my gosh, I had a lot to renew. I had a lot yeah. of stories that needed to be ended to start a new one. So that's kind of how I, so my cousin, long story short, my cousin.
1: <laughs> Well, and it's usually people. It's usually, that's the way most of us find Jesus, whether it's in childhood or as adults. It's like, it's really like nine times out of ten, maybe more. I don't know statistics on it, but it is powerful just hearing how, like, yeah, it's one person and relationship and conversation and intentionality that can radically impact others' Mm -hmm. lives so it was the
2: one it's always like and I was thinking about the one in front of us you know we want we want to do the masses we want to do the conferences and all those are great but we always forget like does this does this matter that I'm talking to the woman at the grocery store does it matter that you know I'm paying or you know talking to the person behind me or whatever it matters yeah it matters
1: yeah and you don't need to be a pastor you don't need to be um, you know, a formal ministry person or nonprofit leader or speaker or writer to be able to bring Jesus to people in everyday life. And I just love the beauty of that.
2: Yeah. Amen to that.
1: Yeah. So you are a girl from my own heart when it comes to the topic of tackling lies and knowing the difference between truth and lies. That's something that I cover in the workshop I do. I've covered in our No Shame November campaign in the past. Um, My counselor taught me truth and lie journaling. That's good. And how to just like write it out and she makes me do it all the time. And so I love teaching that to other people, but I want to hear a little bit about the biggest lies that have impacted your life.
2: So this question I was thinking about this question, and I was like, "Okay, what can I sum up? Because we always have lies, right? Because the enemy is always coming for us. He wants to take the seed that God had planted in your heart and just uproot it whenever he can. Mm -hmm. And so, the lie that I had really come up with that was pretty much throughout my life was that my body was my selling point, Mm -hmm. meaning like my body was what's going was going to get me love. And so, if I didn't give my body to men, then I wasn't going to be loved. And then in my fitness business, I have for the past ten years. When I first started out, it was, well, I have to have this perfect body and I have to show my skin and I have to be in a sports bra and I have to wear short shorts because my body is my selling point. And so if I don't do those things, then people aren't going to be inspired and they're not going to want to follow my journey or, you know, come along with me or whatever. And so a lot of that was, well, what does my body look like? And so the lie was, you know, your body is your selling point. This is how you're going to get loved. This is how you're going to get seen and this is how you're going
1: to get noticed. That is Probably very relatable for a lot of people in our Instagram world. Well, watching The Bachelor, whatever people are coming from everywhere, everywhere in our yeah. culture. Yeah. It tells us that, like, our body is such a huge part of our identity. And obviously, I mean, our body is what we carry with us at all times. Like it is a huge part of us, but that, that belief that it's, it's our selling point, it's Mm -hmm. what will get us success or not.
2: Mm -hmm. It's like, it's disposable. And that's what makes me just hurt. Like my heart just hurts. Cause Mm -hmm. I know what it's like, where it's just, there's no, there's this big disconnect of, you know, it's just my body well, your body's also connected to your thoughts and your feelings and your experiences. And it's not just, yeah. you know, it's a connection. It's a totally. spiritual connection. So yeah.
1: Yeah. So what has been game changing for you in finding that true lasting freedom?
2: So I can't remember how long ago I started doing this, but I do it often now, so I will walk myself through questions. And I was actually talking about this with a friend recently at a conference we were both at, and we were both leaving the com- or um, helping volunteer at the conference. And she's like, "Jess, that's like a really good idea." I didn't know, you. I'm like, "Oh, I do that all the time. I didn't know this would help people." But I create this space, so I create space between what I'm feeling and what's really going on. So, for I'll just use the the conference as an example is typically when I go to a conference, I'll be like, okay, I feel left out. I feel like I don't belong here. I will have feelings of jealousy, which is really greed because other people have what I wish I wish I had, what they had. And so I'll start to have all these feelings and emotions. So first I'll like acknowledge that I'm like, this doesn't feel right. Why am I thinking? So you, at first you have to acknowledge your thoughts versus like, We tend to get so busy that whatever comes into our brains, we'll be like, oh, okay, I'm feeling sad. I'm I'm feeling this way. I'm feeling that. And then we take it and we run with it. And so we have to challenge our thoughts. I mean, scripture tells us, take our thoughts captive, make them obedient, bring them down. And so I'll create space and I'll ask myself and I'll say, you know, what's going on? What am I feeling? And I'll say, okay, I'm feeling really jealous. And then I'll ask myself why I'm feeling jealous. And then it'll often lead to a deeper rooted issue of insecurity, meaning childhood, or this lie that I keep believing in my life that her success, you know, impacts my success or whatever it is, right? And then so then I go, well, what is the truth here? And then I kind of go through this big, long, and it happens so fast. And so for me, being in freedom is knowing what I know and feeling what I feel. So I kind of give my, I give myself the space and the time to feel it, not to be shamed by it. Because I feel like even as believers, we shame ourselves so much for what we feel because we think I'm a believer and I just got to get over it. And, and God's so much and so good. and He's so much bigger than this. It's like, we know those things, but still he had feelings. It's like, we can still process in a healthy way what's going on. And so I think that that's been the biggest point for me is like, well, what's the truth? Which is why I burst my podcast was I kept writing like you you do. You write out the truth in line. Like, I was going back through all these journals from years ago and I was like, this repetitive theme. I go, but what's the truth, Jess? And I'm like, yeah. yeah, this is like a theme in my life. It's like, okay, what's the truth though? I know that you're feeling jealous or sad or upset, but what's the truth, right? And so it's kind of, having freedom for me is just allowing myself to be sad and to cry, even if it's for two minutes and just sit in it for just a moment and go, okay, like sometimes it passes really fast because you're just having a kind of a rough day. And other times it's linked to, you know, well, most of the time it's linked to something deeper, but it's creating the space, acknowledging it, asking myself why and the what, and then bringing the truth to it.
1: I love that. That's so good. And I would love to ask how that applies to like your marriage. Cause I know for me and my husband, we find that we don't fight as much as we get into like mutual shame spirals where Mm. we both kind of feel bad and we feel bad about the other person feeling bad, like more so than maybe lashing out on each other. We tend to take it a little more internally, especially at the beginning of marriage. We were like, I feel like people prepared us for like, Fighting with each other but not for like almost fighting with ourselves mm-hmm. and the internal process and so I started using kind of a Brene Brown tip of asking okay what is the story I'm telling myself mm-hmm. and creating space for us to pause even in conflict or emotionally intense situations and be like okay what are the stories we're believing? What are the lies? What's the truth? And flushing that out together. Do you mm-hmm. and your husband have any sort of process like that? Like, what does that look like in terms of relationship?
2: So, my husband and I, you know, we met on eHarmony. We had like interviewed our, we call it an interview, our friends' mm-hmm. life family, but we had asked ourselves so many questions, like everything under the sun. And so, going into marriage, we, I mean, we didn't know anything of like, you know it's we're still learning about each other, but we had a really good idea of what our, we wanted our marriage to look like. And mm-hmm. coming from, I was a very independent girl, like a hundred percent. And so you come into a marriage and having that independent girl attitude, you realize it ain't going to get you far. <laughs> and so uh, one thing is to understand, I would say is to understand how your husband communicates. So mm-hmm. if you're both internal processors then one of you has to be um, aware to ask the other what they're feeling. And if it's a guy, you typically, feelings are very hard for them to communicate. And so they might need time. But you also might need to say and word in a different way, you know, or like what's coming up for you or, you know, whatever it is that your husband, like if it's the numbers guy or analytics or, you know, what are you processing through? Because every time I go to my husband, like, what are you feeling? He's like, I don't no, i'm like because he doesn't respond to like feeling yeah. you know like he's just not <laughs> like that uh so honoring how both of you communicate is really important and then so if you know how you communicate and then it's that willingness to like my husband if i'm having a bad day at work meaning a bad day of like just we were talking about earlier like i read a book review and it just put me in a bad mood that will often carry over into my marriage and so i'll just like be really short with my husband when he comes home i'm I don't, we don't like lash out on each other, but Mm -hmm. like you said, like, it's just like, I'm sad. Now I made him upset. And then we kind of like go, so (laughs) I'm aware. So I'm like, okay, I just, why am I freaking out on him? And then I end up going back. And it's that my husband and I said, can we be the first to apologize? Because when one of you are the first to apologize, it just like takes away everything else because nobody is going to argue with somebody that's saying they're sorry, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's just like, I will go and I'll apologize and I'll say, actually, I wasn't upset that you did this. It was because I had a bad day at work or, you know, this is going on. So I yelled at you, or if it's not a deeper issue and he really upset me, it's the same thing. It's this hurt my feelings. You know what I mean? It's just that it's all comes down to communication. I don't know if that helps, but it's that awareness of who your husband is, how he communicates, communicating effectively with him. And then being, if you both are internal or processors, then you, one of you has to come to the other and to say, what is it that's going on? And then you can actually start to process, well, this made me feel, and then you can kind of go back and forth.
1: That's super good. My husband's a very internal processor. He has a lot of emotions, but... It takes a lot of time to like really figure Mm -hmm. out what they are. And I'm a very external processor. So that was a dynamic from the beginning of our relationship that has been a fun adventure. But one thing that has helped us that people could probably just Google and find anywhere online, and I'll probably link it in the show notes, is there's like a wheel of emotion that Mm -hmm. exists out there and it labels all these different emotions. And there's like some basic core emotions that we all have, like sad, mad glad happy you know um but then there's all these other like kind of like fringe emotions that sometimes the word is actually what's gonna be like that's that's what I'm feeling and so we pulled that out sometimes when you know especially with my husband he's like I don't know what I'm feeling
2: yeah Mm -hmm.
1: and being able to be like okay do any of these words like describe what you're feeling Mm-hmm. and giving just like some of those tools and some of those practical. So for anyone who's listening who might have a hard time putting words into their feelings and emotions, yeah. that can be a really great helpful tool to just get some vocabulary.
2: Well, even when I've learned about trauma and how the brain processes trauma, it's most people that have experienced trauma. And it, when I say trauma, it can be any just life altering moment that you had. It doesn't have to be big or small um, it just whatever it is to you that in that moment you can remember, right? Like it just changed you in some way is that you, I mean, chemically your body alters toward that. And mm-hmm. so oftentimes when something happens like that, you don't have the words to explain how you feel. Yeah. And so I think that sometimes we carry, you know, again, those past emotions, past thing. And then when we bring them into relationships, it's like, I don't know how this has this work together. You know, Mm -hmm. especially considering how your husband was raised, how you were raised and then understanding, you know, how he was raised, if how his parents communicated, how he saw things and, you know, it just continues to go back. And the more you understand the story of each other, the more you can actually connect on a deeper level of understanding. You know, if you watched your mom take out the trash or he watched his mom take out the trash and you're not taking out the trash because you watched your dad take out the trash, there's going to be a conflict. Right. But understanding, well, I watched, you know, my mom do it and I watched my dad and then you can kind of come to this agreement of like, Oh, that's why you assume I'm going to take out the trash. Do you know what I mean? It just like, it depends where the story starts of what we overflow into.
1: That's good. So going back to some of the lies talks, I would just love if you would give our listener a few practical tips for discerning, Truth from lies because sometimes that that water gets super muddy and it can be it can just be tricky to figure out okay is what I'm feeling you know a truth or a lie is this fear a truth or a lie especially um yeah just if there's any mix up in like well maybe this truth is based or this fear is based in a reality like. That has happened to me in the past. There's the trauma stuff. What are your practical tips for discerning?
2: So probably two of them would be, well, since lies become beliefs, right? And so beliefs are created by our experiences, thoughts, and our feelings. And so to know the lie is really to know the fruit it produces. Mm. And so, you know, scripture tells us that we know a tree by its fruit. And so when you're thinking about a thought, It's like, okay, is this producing fatigue? Do I feel tired? Do you kind of slouch? Do you start to get really sad? Do you get happy? Do you get joyful? Do you start laughing? Do you start crying? Like, your body's going to respond to whatever thought that you're thinking. And so, if you're believing a lie or the feelings, if you don't even know it's a lie, think about your posture of your body or how you're feeling. Are you distant? Are you withdrawing? Are you isolating yourself? Um, You know, are you telling yourself things like, I'm just not good enough. I'm not seen because to those people it's true, right? Especially when we get so far into that side of just believing Mm -hmm. the lies from the enemy that we really don't know. We believe that to be our reality. But when we look at the fruit that those thoughts produce, Those are not God's fruit. That's not the fruit of life and peace. And so that's one way to really kind of understand is to listen to our bodies because our bodies will listen and move in that direction. And so it's really important to know, well, what fruit is this producing in my life? And then the second thing, I love this because in scripture, Philippians 4, 6 through 8, I always quote this one back. I'm like, okay, what is true, right? What is Mm -hmm. true, is honorable, right, pure, lovely, good report, do all these things. And just before that in verses six, it tells us to not be anxious for anything and to pray with Thanksgiving over everything. And so what's important is, is this thought true? Is this thought honorable? Is it right? Is it of good report? Is it lovely? You know, are these things that I'm thinking any of those things? And that's just one example in scripture where he talks about think on these things. Um, and I guess the third one would be, you know, throughout Romans, Paul just writes about the lust of the flesh producing death. So anytime you follow your flesh, which is a lot of our jealousy, you know, I just, that one always comes to me because it's so popular with women, but envy and greed and all of the sin in our lives, right? It produces death. And again, that goes back to the fruit. But when we partner with the spirit, it produces life and peace. And so that's another kind of huge indicator of whether we're partnering with spirit or we're partnering with our flesh is, is it producing death or is it producing life and
1: peace? That is such a good metric for really navigating those, those tough things that feel in the moment, like truth, but are actually lies, mm-hmm. is looking to that fruit and looking to what it produces in your life. Mm-hmm. And it will also weed out a lot of that that is maybe appearing to be neutral, yeah. neutral ground or some of the things that we, we treat as really permissive, like comparison or anxiety or different things like that, that we're just like, well, we all struggle with it. So yeah.
2: we normalize it, it. It is
1: it is mm-hmm. what it is. Um, but when you really go and you're like, but do I want the fruit of this in my life? Yeah is, is a end what I want. It helps, takes just just some of the pressure off and it makes it a little easier to discern Mm -hmm. between that. So I love that. So you are in the fitness world, which has a lot of comparison, anxiety, lies mixed into good advice. Like there is such a mixture. Um, What is the biggest or what are some of the biggest lies that you see women wrestling with when it comes to body and weight.
2: Mm. Well, the biggest top one of the top things that people struggle with is emotional eating and body image. It's mm-hmm. what they think that their body has to be in order for them to gain something in this life. And, you know, people will not have sex with their husband because of their body. You know, it just kind of goes on where the enemy comes in and just says, you know, your body has been mistreated and what are you doing? And you're a slob and you're lazy and you're fat and you're ugly and just all these things. And so it's really this, like most of the time people come because they want to lose weight, but really they want the emotional healing. They want to be free from, you know, worrying about food and the diet because it's just another idol in our life. It's just like drugs or alcohol or anything. It's the fitness realm is no different with the food. And so going back to the body, it's really, I mean, it goes back to that body of they always, it's. I'm ugly. I'm never going to amount to anything. You know, this body has been through so much and, you know, I have let it down and just all these stories that we tell ourselves about our body. And so now your body believes it, right? And so your thoughts are the language of the brain and your feelings are the language of the body. You might not know what somebody's thinking, but their posture, how they're sitting, you can probably know what they're feeling. And so uh, one of my great dear friends, Lisa Keaton, love her. She's the owner of Relationships. Yes. She always says, good news gets stuck inside good, but bo- our bad news gets stuck inside good bodies. And mm-hmm. it's so true is that bad news gets stuck inside our good bodies. And it's just helping women come to this realization that we have good bodies. It's not saying that um, we don't take care of ourselves and steward our bodies because we're Christ's dwelling place. And that's just, we get to do that. And so, yes, does, should we become healthier? And I'm putting that in quotation marks. Um, but yes, we should want to take care and steward our bodies well, but not at the expense of it becoming our idol.
1: Amen. Yeah, that'll preach. <laughs> that is so good. I, I worked through a process of, I went through my own parents getting divorced when I was, graduating college which was a really weird time and met my husband all at the same time so lots of changes and after I got married just a lot of things kind of broke down in terms of like physically and emotionally all of a sudden having a safe place to like actually deal with it yeah and I gained a lot of weight in that first year of marriage I was just feeling really sick and was struggling with some different health things. And last year really dug deep into a lot of healing through food. And yet at the same time, it wasn't about the food. It was about like, okay, God, am I willing to release like what getting sick gives me emotionally? Am I willing to, you know, really choose to serve my body out of a place of love and care and taking care of it as a temple of the Holy Spirit versus shaming or, um, putting pressure on myself to be a certain size or this or that, or, you know, it's like that whole process and that whole journey of like health and wellness from a Holy Spirit perspective is it's like tricky, but so beautiful. And so I love that you like walk with women through that. Do you have any like story that comes to your mind that you would like be able to tell of a woman that you've worked with that has just seen a lot of victory in that area of her life that has seen like a, a transformation, not just of before and after, you know, photos. Yeah. Yeah. But a heart transformation that went along with a physical transformation.
2: Yes, I do. I'm thinking of somebody right now. Um, Before I talk about her, there's something when you were talking that just triggered me was, you know, the opposite of that is, and to go a little bit deeper, is that their body becomes their safe place uh, because maybe they were sexually abused um, as a thin woman. And so they put on weight so that they don't become sexually attractive to another man so that that won't happen. And so sometimes our bodies become that safety. It becomes that place where, um, we feel protected. And so if I look this way, then I can protect myself from future pain and trauma. And so that's something that I have also seen and got to walk women through of what that looks like and what that means kind of coming from the other side of maybe why we hold on to Mm -hmm. things. Um, but to talk to talk about the girl, her name is Jamie. Uh, she's somebody that I work with very closely and still do. She We met on Instagram, which is super fun. Love it. But she was very hesitant at first of just kind of working with me. And she was like, I don't know. I'm so busy. You know, all the things. She's a mom. And I kind of watched her walk through this process of not food addiction necessarily, but the shame. I messed up. Mm-hmm. Like, One of the biggest lies is if I had a cookie that day, then my whole diet's blown. Like everything I eat, I might as well just give up on life because I had a cookie. You know what I mean? And it sounds so dramatic. We do ourselves. We're like, I messed up today, but we don't realize, well, okay, you just messed up at this one moment. I didn't want to say you messed Mm -hmm. up, but you know, uh, cheat and treat like that whole thing gets me fired up. But
1: Mm -hmm.
2: anyway, she has walked this process of kindness, just that kindness to herself and we talk a lot about spirit soul body and understanding the three parts of us and why they're mm-hmm. so important you know when we were um created as a new cre- creation it was our spirit that was created new and so when you said yes to jesus it wasn't like we got these like you know plastic body makeovers and we were like all <laughs> thin now you know and so but we often think that when we say yes to jesus like our whole life in that moment is going to change and in our spirit it does but we still left behind an old body from the old news. Mm -hmm. And so now we get to renew our minds to the word. And so her understanding these three parts of where our soul plays in with our spirit and our body and walking through, through with scripture with that It's a lot of revelation for women to understand like, oh, like I get to show up. I get to move my body Uh, and understanding. We talk a lot about lies of what they think they need to do in order to achieve success because of the social media world. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she has been like losing this weight steady over the course of months because she's just like. I'm showing up today and it's finally feels so good to know why I was doing the things that I was doing and having an understanding. It's like that permission granted to go, I can feel today. And this is why I feel like I have to diet or I messed up or whatever it is. And so it's just been really cool to see her really walk through that. I mean, a lot of shame, a lot of past, um, a lot of issues that she had like had with her mom and struggling through that of what her mom would say about her. You know, I know a lot mm. of women that deal with that too. You know, being put on a diet when you're 12 or 14 or stop mm. eating that. Or you know, one thing that really gets me fired up is you know when people say you need to eat everything on your plate because there's people starving in third world countries and it's like this. It's like that's a true fact about hunger. But that fact that you just told your daughter that is not helping her with her eating. Do you know? And so these things that we tell ourselves and we believe they carry with us. And so it's like we get to unravel these pieces together as she kind of walks up and understands. And so the more you understand, the more compassion you have and also the more confidence you build in who you are in Christ because he came to set the captives free, right?
1: Yeah, preach it. I love it. We could talk for hours about lies and health and wellness and how it kind of all, it's all a vital part of walking in our calling and our destiny with God. If like it's a part of chasing our dreams. I'm really passionate about this concept of wholehearted dreamers. Like we have to be able to take care of ourselves in every area of our life, body, mind, soul, spirit, all of it, uh, so that we can go after everything that God Is calling us to do yeah and I love it but we're gonna move into the rapid fire section are you ready to go yes awesome so as a kid what did you want to be when you grew up
2: a gymnast
1: fun did you do gymnastics
2: um I did it from when I was 7 to 11 but then it got expensive so (laughs) yeah so but yeah a gymnast was something I loved
1: yeah how is your life today different than what you dreamed it would be in college
2: so this is a tricky question. I am a college dropout two times really? I, I tried to go to college twice, twice uh right when I was right out of high school, and then I was like, just no, you know, I switched my major, and then I went back again a little bit more older, thinking I was super sophisticated and dropped out and I was like, this I can't like I just because I was an entrepreneur at the time um still am. I started my business at twenty one and so College for me was just non-existent. Like, I was there, but it just felt – it didn't feel right for me.
1: That's so funny because we've had now multiple college dropouts on the podcast. And <laughs> someone's going to be listening to this and they're going to quit college like, because of the podcast. Yes, please don't. They're going to be like, all oh, these successful people, like, went uh, yeah. college. I, I, I would have been one of them if it wasn't for a few other factors. But I <laughs> – I am all about the you don't need college to be successful mindset. Yeah, yeah. I love that. So if you could give your 20-year-old self or 21-year-old self any advice, what would it be?
2: This question. It keeps me stunned for some reason. But the thing that keeps coming to my mind over and over is it's not as big as you think it is. Hmm. You know, like situations, problems, the breakup, all the things. We all, in that moment, this is so big. My life's over. You know, in high school, you just thought everything was big. Yeah. And as the day's go on, you're like, this just does not matter. Why do I care about this? <laughs> I think um, that's just what keeps coming to my mind. Like, it's not as big as it seems.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm, that's good. What is a fun, random dream that you have for the future?
2: To learn different variations and forms of martial arts. Ooh. <clears throat> yeah.
1: Where do, you want, where do you want to start? Or What have you already learned?
2: No, I have no idea where I want to start. My dad, <laughs> my dad took Taekwondo when I was, I can remember him coming home and like we would do moves together. Like he would show me moves. And I have always had this interest of martial arts and kickboxing and karate and like all the things. Um, And I've just never done it or took a class, taken a class. So that's something that I'm like, still, I can see I'm going to do, I'm coming after you.
1: I think that'd be so fun. I think especially like when I see people doing kickboxing classes, it's like, yeah, that sounds like a really fun way to... Work out and get out any pent up stress or anxiety or yeah. frustration in the world. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That was so fun. So, our last question of the day is where can people find you online? How can they connect and go deeper? Um,
2: so, you can pretty much find me anywhere at Jessica Hoddle, but Instagram at Jessica Hoddle. And you can also follow me over on my podcast, uh, What's the Truth? Uh, It's on iTunes, you know, pretty much everywhere. Uh, So the podcast, What's the Truth and Instagram or Facebook at Jessica Hodel.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Jessica, for all of just the truth and the wisdom that you have given us during this interview. I have been so thankful for your heart and the place of just like depth and experience that you
0: are sharing from. So thank you so much.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It's been so
0: fun. That's a wrap on today's episode. Make sure that you check out Jessica and all the links in the show notes. And don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, share, all those fun things while you're at it. See you next time, friends.